Hell yeah. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. This is Zach, your host, and once again, I have Mike Miracles on the phone. Uh, Mike, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. It's going good. How about you? Doing pretty good. It's been a wild little bit for you, uh, probably over the past 24-7, <laughs> you know, with Casey being cut and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what are your mentions and article response or message boards for your article like? So, so it's it's been kind of a crazy week for me in general because I've been traveling for a lot of this week. So I I was like checking uh, free agency updates as I would get off the interstate and like stop to get gas or food or whatever along the way. So it's been uh, kind of wild um, trying to track this whole thing. But then I get to follow it at, at night and kind of get caught caught up on whatever happened during the day. But uh, the, the mentions have been crazy. People are panicked, um, especially after the Casey trade and, uh, you know, an announcement of a giant signing or trade, uh, didn't follow within 30 seconds. Uh, people immediately, uh, you know, went to what the hell are they doing? Why are, why are we not spending any money? What, why are they getting rid of Casey for nothing? You know, that kind of thing. So that's, uh, that's been my, my thing. Uh, how's, how's your mentions been? Uh, mainly, all right, I've just gotten a bunch of likes and retweets, uh, a few people I've had to talk off the ledge of Derrick Henry holding out, which I find to be just, it's, it's just not going to happen in my head. I'd be just totally surprised. Um, you you had mentioned something real quick on that. You had mentioned something about the penalties i guess for holdouts or the fines for holdouts being mandatory and non-refundable yes that is correct under the new cba so yeah that means so i know that melvin gorn based on an article read today uh he got 2.2 million dollars in fines so not only does he get fined for uh, practices and the games he missed but the games you miss if you hold out to the season also hurt your base salary so it went from 2.2 million to 3.2 million because of base salary fines and the fines he got from the team now it used to be the in melvin gorn's particular case it was 30,000 that has gone up and i want to say it's gone up to 50,000 if i if i remember what i said correctly um so is that per day that is per day and per game on top of your base salary fines that you would get for your per game basis on your base salary. Um, so, and then if you don't play the bulk of your league year or f- you forfeit it at some point, uh, I can't remember the percentage of games. It may have to be all the games. Like Le'Veon Bell lost $14.8 million when he set out because he never signed the tag and he missed the deadline to sign the tag. Um, yeah. The So... If Henry were to hold out, based on what you put and what I saw on Spot Track put out there today, you know he's only earned five point four million dollars. Now we don't know what kind of investments he's made and stuff like that on the side, but we do know he just bought like an eighty-something thousand dollar Kobe Bryant necklace. 
So yeah, that thing was something. He he is definitely spending money. Whether he <laughs> is getting returns, you know, we don't we're not privy to that information. But and, and he's got he's got his Heisman House uh, stuff, yeah, and things like that. So he's got other sources of income besides just right. football. But but Melvin uh, Gordon was his all of his fines that two point two million dollars was thirty thousand. So you're talking about adding, I believe, I don't have my numbers up in front of me. Uh, you're probably adding, you know. Ten to, I don't know, twenty thousand dollars on top of that per practice per game. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's a lot. Uh, hold on, I'm, I'm gonna pull it up here real quick because I feel like I have it somewhere. I don't know where it's at. Uh, right. but anyway, um. So that I just I just think there's so much, you know, that um, plays into this that people just don't realize that there's so much going on. Oh, it jumped up to 50k. So Melvin Gordon was 30k. Yeah. When he got 2.2 million dollars last year in fines, fines alone, it's jumped up from 30k to 50k this year. Wow. And in the CBA, it was only supposed to jump up $10,000 this year to forty k. But now the new CBA makes it fifty k. So you're talking about tacking on $20,000 per game slash per practice missed. So that includes training camps and anything mandatory. So that includes yeah, mandatory yeah. OTAs. Yeah. And it used to be that teams could waive the fees. They could be like, oh, no, you won't have to pay the fees or anything because we came to this agreement. We know you missed some, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, Taylor Lewan missed some uh, mandatory OTAs before he got to training camp, and he didn't hold out training camp. He just held out a mandatory OTAs before he got his extension. I don't know if we forgave those fines or if he actually paid the fines. But in that instance, you could technically forgive fines, right? So you could say, oh, no, fines are fine. You know, don't pay them. Right. Here, you have to pay them. They are mandatory to pay. The team, it's not a team option whether you pay them or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's interesting. I do think that changes kind of the complexion of holding out. And that's probably why that was put into the CBA, um, obviously, um, to discourage these holdouts. Um, yeah. And things like that. Well, so. and Melvin Gordon's holdout, you know, like I said, he lost $3.2 million total. Yeah. Well, now you get updates today per Mike Garofolo. Uh, free agent running back Melvin Gordon is not getting re- anything remotely close to what the Chargers offered him in training camp. Right. Which These was running- $10 million Yeah, something ish. like that. And then... You got to remember that not only did Le'Veon Bell lose $14.8 million, but if he would have accepted the Steelers' offer before he started holding out, he would have got paid more with the Steelers than he got paid with the Jets. A running back holding out does not work. (laughs) And I I know people want to get my mentions and say, well, Zeke held out. Zeke is just a totally different story. Zeke is arguably the best three-down running back, but he's also in Dallas. And, and and he he was also a number four overall pick, right? Um, and he had made considerably more money. Made twenty something th- million dollars before the uh, he signed the new deal, right? So he he had more runway to hold out, um, and he had more leverage just with being a former top five pick 
you know, the Titans letting Henry walk, um, you know, if it came down to that, um, which I don't think it's going to, but if the Titans let Henry walk, regardless of how good he's been, he was a second round pick, you know, a couple years ago. Whereas, you know, and that's, that's not great, but it's not a disaster either. But if you have a top five pick and you're letting him walk, that's, that's a different complexion altogether, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I know we were, we were going to be talking about Gerald Casey, but I think this is such an interesting dynamic because you either fall along the lines of, well, he's most definitely going to hold out and pay him now versus, eh, he's not going to hold out and, you know, pain running backs, blah, blah. So it's like, it's a very, there's no one in the middle that's just like, there, there is no middle ground. I, I feel like it's either he, he's to me, it's going to happen. I feel like there's going to be a two-year extension that's going to be tacked onto this at some point. And listen, once you sign a tag, because Demarcus Lawrence signed his tag last year, they can restructure the whole deal to lessen the cap hit because Demarcus Lawrence last year was tagged for $17 million. His actual cap hit, because they renegotiated a five-year contract, ended up being just eleven. So there's a good yeah. chance that, okay, Henry has... First off, for any of this to happen... Henry has to sign the the tender. And if he doesn't sign it, he's still going to get fined, FYI. <laughs> like it's right. not like nothing else happens. If he doesn't sign it by the July 15th deadline, he's still getting fined and he's going to lose out on money. Now, the here's the other thing is that once he signs it, they can either do an extension where okay, that 10 million dollar cap hits a 10 million dollar cap hit and then the the other cap, the extension affects the cap hits later. Or they can just restructure the whole thing and sign them to a completely long-term new deal that are, knocks the cap hit down for this year and still gets him the same amount that he's looking for. So to me, there's just two different avenues. And with J-Rob's history with Taylor Lewan, Jarrell Casey, Delaney Walker, Kevin Byard, it's going to happen. Like There's just so much data there that says, first off, holding out's a bad move and a dumb move, and I don't think anybody thinks that Henry's dumb, but... There's also the data of J. Rob. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I don't think I, I think we're going to end up seeing a long term deal. Um, ultimately, I, I don't think he ends up playing on the tag necessarily. Um, and I, I think the Melvin Gordon situation might, you know, the fact that he's not seeing a big market out there, and, and Henry's better than Gordon, so you know we can go ahead and put that, you know, caveat out there. But Gordon is a, you know, middle of the pack or a little bit better type running back. Um, he was a former first round pick. He, you know, has has a big pedigree. He's been, you know, he's gotten, he's had at least a couple of years where he's been a a high end player for the Chargers. And him finding a market where he can't even sniff ten million dollars kind of tells you where the running back market is um, in general right now. And Henry. While he's very good and, and much better than Gordon, he's also not a complete back with the the pass catching stuff that we've talked about before. And I I don't think Henry's market outside of Tennessee is is going to be huge, um, just because you know teams are not very interested in paying running backs a lot of money anymore. That 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 trend has caught on in the NFL. Well, and then you see Gurley's on the trading block. There's a good chance mm-hmm. that he's going to have to restructure his deal when he goes to wherever he's going, unless someone or 
the in a Tannehill like situation, maybe the Rams are gonna have to pay some of it. But it's it's not a big market. Like I mean, we've we've known for for years that running backs are can pay considerably less than most of the uh, positions in football. And and I w- listen. I'm all for a man getting paid whatever he can get out there and get paid. But there's also the risk of losing. Would you rather have ten million dollars now or ten or be out? And hold out, and then that ten million dollars just slowly dwindles down because of fines. Like it doesn't; it's not going to take that long. That if let's say he held out, and let's say that he didn't miss any games, and let's say that two point two stayed the same because of how the fines work and they increased. Well, then instead of having a ten point two million dollar deal, he has you know a eight million dollar deal. Like what good is that? Like holdouts just very rarely work, and there is there's some people that say that oh we're gonna trade Henry. Well, like what? <laughs> like that's that's not in the plans. I, I don't no. see that at all. It, I, I think I think Henry they value his leadership. Um, I think you know the reports were leading up to this that they were at least talking long term deal. I don't think I don't think the Titans would be discussing a long-term deal if that wasn't something that they were interested in obviously i mean so i I think if they they have some interest in it maybe this drives henry's asking price down a little bit or makes him realize that hey you know if i'm looking for zeke money maybe that's just not there anymore um well and don't forget how everybody it's it's amazing how the short it's like a bunch of goldfish like we're (laughs) we're in an aquarium it's a bunch of goldfish because you remember at the combine J. Robin Vrabel were absolutely glowing about Derrick Henry, right? Yeah. And then they they were very cool and calm and collective on Tannehill. And everybody at then was like, well, obviously Henry's getting a long term and Tannehill's out the door. And now it's like, okay, well, the, they tagged Henry because the CBA and, the, and everything really pushed everything up to the deadline, in my opinion. But they tagged Henry. And now everybody's like, well, they hate Henry, and, you know, he should hold out. Well, that's, you know, they tagged him so they could keep him as a, as on the roster to negotiate a longer deal. I, I just feel that. I just feel that's the whole reason of using that tag in this particular instance. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think they're extending the window, and they'll end up doing a long-term deal. All right. Well, speaking of long-term, but not with us anymore, Jarrell Casey is – is out the door. He was shipped off to Denver for a seventh round pick, but they took on the rest of his contract in full. Uh, he just posted on Instagram, actually, uh, Mike, and I'm going to read it. Um, this is from Tatted Monster 99 on Instagram. That's Jarrell Casey. It's taken me a few hours to process and get on here because y'all know I love Tennessee and especially my Titans fans. Keeping it light. Nine years ago, the Titans took a chance on me, and looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. We went through rough times, winning max three games multiple seasons to good times, making it to the AFC Championship. Countless volunteer events, getting to meet the awesome people that make Tennessee so great. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't confused and hurt, but it's a business. But I am comforted with every text, call, comment, tweet, DM I have received. Y'all are showing your boys some real love and encouragement, hoping I left my mark in Tennessee because y'all will forever be in my heart. Thank you to the Titans organization and all the men who grinded with me day in and day out. 
All good things must come to an end, but sometimes for even better things. Denver, what's good? Hashtag Broncos country. So I think he summed it up perfectly in one sentence of what everybody needs to realize. I'm hurt. Yeah. I'm confused, but it's a business. And I think that's, I think people have, are still hurt and confused, but, and, uh, Austin Stanley of A to Z, they decided to, you know, throw out one word this morning that was your feeling on Jarrell Casey being gone. Like one word to describe it. His word was business. Jarrell Casey just used that same word. It's business. Yeah. I, th- I think it is. And, and it sucks because I mean, Casey's a, a popular player for obvious reasons. Um, and this is coming right on the heels of Delaney Walker, you know, possibly, you know, those might've been two of the, you know, handful of most popular Titans on the team. Um, at this point, you know, a week ago, uh, both leaving and, and, you know, obviously Marcus Mariota still has, you know, his contingent of, of fans. And, you know, I think most Titans fans do respect Mariota for what he did, even if, uh, you know, they would, a lot of us would agree that the team's better off moving forward um, without him. But, you know, you're losing a lot of guys that were very popular here um, all of a sudden, and there's not an immediate return for Casey. You know, it's it's one thing when it's Walker and, and he's, you know, 36 years old and coming off two major injuries and, and things like that. But Casey was still playing relatively well. His, his last season, he posted career lows or tied for career lows in like virtually every major stat category. Uh, at least since 2012, I believe was, was, uh, he was the last time that he was that low in any of those, those stat categories I posted in the uh, article I wrote this morning, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, he's showing a little bit of signs of decline, but not like he's playing badly. Um, he's still an above average player and, you know, it, it was out of nowhere. He's only, you know, he's 30 years old. It's not like he's 36. Um, but I, I don't know. It is, it was shocking. And for it to be for a seventh round pick, you know, it's, it's just confusing and surprising and everything else when you initially read that. But I think once you look beyond it, it's clear it was about the money um, and about freeing up the cap space. And I, I have to think there's something else, another shoe to drop here. What do you think? Well, I definitely think there's a shoe to drop, but I'd like to say that Casey's probably one of my favorite Titans of all time, and I I was floored, but then when I started looking at the contracts, I was like, oh, okay, I understand why a seventh-round pick and blah, blah, blah. But I mm-hmm. I, I was shocked. I, I I thought maybe it was going to definitely be a restructure candidate like you, like you had talked about. And you would have to think they possibly approached him. I mean, I would feel like that before you release someone like him, that you would have to approach him for a restructure. But if he's hurt and confused, maybe not. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would have thought that they would have approached him. But it's strictly yeah. business. And I, a buck last night, uh, we're taping this uh, Thursday afternoon, buck last night played a clip about, Basically, some changes were coming. J-Rob alluded to stuff like this in a couple weeks ago or maybe a few months ago, whenever, that yeah. changes were coming. And this is just one of those changes that is coming. And 
he was serviceable. I mean, and maybe that's downplaying the impact that he had towards when it mattered. I mean, during the playoffs. He was very and, good in the playoffs, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but for the most part, I mean, you know, these last year, two years, about a large percent of the games, I mean, he kind of was a little bit of a non-factor, I mean, I want to say, but... I mean, when you think about it, it's about thirty-seven to thirty-nine million is what he's going to get paid over these next three years. That's yeah. too much. Yeah, and then what boils down to, and you know, as far as um, next moves, there there's got to be something. First off, this it's way too quiet on the Titans front, so there's got to be something brewing. Sometimes when they get quiet, just something out of nowhere happens. Right. Um, you know, let's before we get into what we both think that there is a move on the horizon. Before we think what that move is or what it is, let's talk about the two signings we did do because we haven't talked about Vic Beasley and Dennis Kelly. Let's right. start off with Dennis Kelly real quick. Once again, great contract. Don't know what happened to the numbers because it was reported that it was three years, twenty-one million dollars, and then all of a sudden, late last night. It was three years, seventeen point two five, and a three point five million dollar cap hit. Was it maybe incentives get well, get to the I know there was a million? one million dollar escalator somewhere, but SpotTrack yeah. didn't have any kind of qualifiers that bumps it up to anything. Because Aaron Wilson just straight up reported at three years, seventeen point two five, and that's exactly what SpotTrack has it at. So yeah. uh, usually, when there's incentives involved or something that bumps it up, they just go ahead and include it. Or or whatever. So I don't. Maybe it's just not included against the cap. But three point five million dollar uh, cap hit. That is right about what I thought best case scenario was because I saw, thought it was four million. But there yeah. were people out there reporting that it was going to be seven million. And people gotta quit thinking that AAV yes. is cap hit. That is not the same. They do not equal one another. Yeah, it, that that's a pet peeve of mine because people get you know they get out there and they see okay we've got twenty five million dollars in cap space and then they see three years twenty one million for Dennis Kelly and they go okay so now we have eighteen million in cap space that that is not how it works um, it they structure these con contracts intentionally to suppress the first year cap hit and allow the the later years to carry more of the the weight and uh, you know there's multiple reasons for that a lot of it's due to the fact that you can roll over unused cap. So you kind of get to double dip uh, by lowering the the lesser cap hit uh, or lowering the first year cap hit. And then you also, I mean, the cap is going to rise every year and it's really going to rise in the next two years. And you also get the benefit of um, a little bit more flexibility. So you get the cheap year out of the way up front. And then, you know, if you, if things turn bad and Dennis Kelly is terrible, or if maybe you just hit on a draft pick uh, at tackle, you can bail on this contract immediately without it being a huge deal um, from a dead cap standpoint. So really beautifully constructed cap or beautifully constructed contract from a cap standpoint, um, almost zero risk. And they get a really cheap starter for 2020 um, for with Dennis Kelly that, you know, could turn out to be pretty good. Um, I think I don't think he's as good as Conklin. Um, you know, I've seen I, a few people though say that well, he's a better pass protector than Conklin on the right side. I don't. I disagree with that. If you look at 
his sacks allowed per pass block snaps over the last four years compared to Conklin's. I think Kelly allows like 60% more, more sacks per uh, pass block snap. So I don't think, I think the narrative that he's a better pass blocker is a little false. Um, But I, I don't think there's a, it's not a massive drop off. It is a drop off, but I think the silver lining, and if you want to look for a reason why this may not be a big deal going from Conklin to, to Kelly is, one, Kelly knows this offense really well, already has some chemistry with the guys on the offensive line. It's not going to be a guy learning a new offense and trying to fit in and trying to learn how to communicate with his guy next to him, uh, his teammate next to him. It's it's He's just going to plug right in and, and know what he's doing from day one. But then also his best run of play, he, well, he's always played better at right tackle than left tackle. And his best run of play was in 2018 when he actually got extended starts, several starts in a row uh, when Conklin went down with the, the knee injury uh, at the end of that year. And that was his best run um, really in the NFL was, was that stretch when he got extended starts at right tackle and, Spot starting is a lot different than starting every week. You, you don't get to get in a rhythm. You don't get to get, you know, those first team reps, even in practice. Um, it's a very different, different thing. And, and I think getting a chance to see him do that for an extended period of time in 2018 is probably a lot of the reason that we're seeing this happen right now. Um, they have the confidence that, that maybe he can replicate that. And over he's going to get period. first team reps in training camp and OTAs and all that stuff that he has maybe gotten some at le- left tackle, but you got to think Conklin's yeah. been relatively healthy for the most part on some of these, but in this new system, a full off season in the right tackle position and a system that you're familiar with, we could see minimal drop off at that position. Yeah. Uh, and it, playing left tackle and right tackle, it's, it's, it is, being a swing tackle is difficult because it is, you think about the muscle memory and things like that, you know, your technique um, as an offensive lineman is everything is mirrored and flipped. And some guys really struggle flipping back and forth. It, it takes, it takes a lot. And uh, him being able to zone in on one position and stick there um, for a long period of time could be very helpful to him, especially when it's the position he's played best in the past. Uh, let me ask you this, just real quick. Jack Conklin right. is a $20 million cap hit for the Browns in 2020, and he's cheaper the rest of the way. Are you upset that we chose Kelly over Conklin at the moment? No, not not given the cap hits, because if you if you go Conklin, you're basic. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to sign anybody else basically at this point. You would be virtually capped out in signing depth guys. Um, if you had Conklin, you know, I, I was in favor of bringing back Conklin, um, heading into free agency, but seeing that deal and how it's structured, I like Kelly's deal better, um, from a Titan standpoint. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you got to think that we're obviously going to make a a push on the defensive side of the ball for someone. So Kelly plus whatever we're going to get over there, plus Vic Beasley, who we'll talk to about next, has to outweigh whatever Conklin was going to hit us with, especially a $20 million cap hit, which is just outrageous in, in year one for our for our circumstances. Um, yeah, no. So speaking of Vic Beasley, 
he's a he's a five year guy. You know, uh, it was what was it January or maybe right after the Super Bowl, maybe even before Super Bowl. I don't remember. The Falcons' official Twitter comes out and says we are not going to re-sign Vic Beasley, and we know he was a trade candidate last year, which is very odd to do that early in the in the season or in the yeah. off season. So reports coming out that he's lazy or he doesn't have a good work ethic or he's not a team player, whatever all those reports are. But this is the Titans. This is Mike Vrabel. This is John Robinson. They don't put up with that. And we're talking about a guy on a one-year contract, $9.5 million guaranteed. We do not know about his incentives yet, which is 2.5 in incentives, so we don't know where those fall on as far as cap hit. So, just real quick, there's likely to be earned and not likely to be earned. Not likely to be earned is a goal or incentive that he has to do something, so maybe like 11 sacks or 10 sacks. Those don't count against the cap. But if it's, Some, likely, it's based off of what he did yeah. last year, right? So he did eight so. sacks last year. So if they did like nine or ten, that's probably not likely to be earned. But if they did eight sacks or or whatever, and that's a likely to be earned, and that's an incentive that counts against the cap. Another key difference is if he gets seven sacks instead of eight on a likely to be earned, we get that money back in 2021. Uh, not likely to be earned that money if he doesn't hit it and we did a 2.5 and 10 sacks you don't get that back because it never counted against the cap anyway so that's we're in a holding pattern with Vic Beasley but knowing those contract numbers what are your feelings on Vic Beasley you know I I am torn on Beasley um I wasn't a big fan of his when people were throwing his name out at the trade deadline last year simply because you know, all the reports out there from, you know, Falcons writers and, and people that are close to that team seem to be that, you know, Beasley might have had a bit of an attitude issue, effort issue in Atlanta. Um, I know I saw somebody had called him a sack chaser and that he spent more time worried about trying to get his sack numbers up than executing his job. Um, and given the fact that the sack numbers weren't that great the last few years, besides uh, the little closing stretch that we'll talk about here uh, in a moment um, last year, you know, that's, that's not great. Um, he's not a great run defender. So th- there's definitely some question marks. Um, and, you know, this is almost one, one where I'm like, all right, well, I've got to have, a little bit of faith in John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and really specifically Mike Vrabel here, because this is his position. Uh, This is a spot where, you know, Robinson is not signing somebody at this position without full buy-in from Mike Vrabel. You're you, I mean, maybe at another spot where Vrabel didn't play, you know, part of his career and didn't have, uh, you know, a, a coaching career, um, get launched based off of his success coaching this position maybe you don't have to you don't get as much input but you've got to think Vrabel is 100 on board with this move right and that that gives me some faith that all right you know Vrabel's earned some some leeway Robinson has earned some leeway in my book and I'm willing to sit here and say all right you know guys a crazy talented athlete we've seen him lead the the nfl in sacks before 
Um, you know, it's a one-year deal. It's not a ton of risk. Maybe he can tap back into that, and maybe Vrabel can can put his career back on track, and you end up with a, you know, Shaq Barrett situation like uh, the the Bucks did last year. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I understand the move, and I'm I'm willing to have an open mind, even if I didn't love the player heading into free agency. Yeah, I think uh, it was at the trade deadline last or this past season where the rumors that he could be had for a six round pick, and like I was like, get it done, you know. In my yeah. opinion, you know, that's someone that could in la- on last year's team could have really helped us at some point. But um, I kind of think here is kind of just to echo real quick, but also add on, we don't know what's really going on in Atlanta, right? We know that at the bye week, for whatever reason, at the bye week, they swapped five or six different position coaches all the way around, flipping even opposite sides of the ball. I right. mean, something, yeah, injuries everywhere. Something was going on that was really weird in Atlanta the last two years. And, you know, to me, with the injuries all around, the defense and this or that, and maybe he just did not get along. We see coaches and players not get along. We know Bill O'Brien, DeAndre Hopkins didn't get along, and he got shipped out. But nobody's doubting DeAndre Hopkins, you know, talent. I mean, obviously, who would? But just saying that obviously sometimes coaches and stuff don't click. And if you have a work environment that does not agree with you, it's kind of hard to be motivated and stuff. So, you know, I, I don't. I, we don't know what's going on over there. We know the reports, but we really don't know what's going on behind closed doors, right? Right. So, yeah. to me, you have J. Rob and Vrabel coming out to get this guy, and there's they n- no work ethic, right? I mean, who's the last lazy person that was here? And it was Kevin Dodd, and he's gone. He was yeah. gone after one year, right? I mean, like we didn't really hold on to, to anybody that is like that. So Vrabel is going to you know whip him into shape more than likely i would i would assume and you know to me i don't think he's the last edge guy we had and i think it was it's a good rotational you know situation that we could possibly have here where we have three really good edge guys and then have a good defensive line, and then we have our defensive backs and backfield, and I mean, got our inside linebackers. I mean, we got to me, Vic Beasley is probably for me. I think going to be just as exciting as having Cam Wake. And I know they're they're. I know you probably disagree with that. And I'm I'm sure you're a lot. You know, I don't. I I like Cam Wake, and I thought Cam Wake was really good. But I think Vic Beasley, younger, motivated with this staff can produce more of an impact based on what we saw in 2016 and really what we saw based down the stretch of the last eight games last season after the bye week and all those coaching switches happened because he got 6.5 sacks, which would have put him in eight games, put him in second in the Titans for the whole season. So like he's, he's already better than whatever we really had. Now Cam Wake probably could have beaten that if he had been healthy all year, but that's conjecture at this point. To right. me, like this is a real big. Oh, Huxley is like all up on my foot. Um, <laughs> this is, I think, a, a a steal of a signing. I think it's a low risk, high reward kind of steal. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I, I think 
at the very least, he's an upgrade over what they had last year. And, and whether you want to say that's a big enough upgrade or not, um, you know, it, it may or may not be. But I think when you look at it, and, and I made this point on uh, on Twitter, is when you look at it from a range of outcome standpoint, Beasley has reached at least five sacks every year that he's been in the NFL since, I think, 2016 when he had the, the breakout uh you know, 15 and a half sack season. Um, so if you say, all right, the floor is five sacks, the ceiling is 15 and a half, you know, that's a pretty big range, but you know, the floor is better than everybody on the Titans except for Harold Landry last year. Um, so you're getting, you're getting a better player than what you had last year. Um, and the talent is there to be, extremely dynamic and if you've got Landry and Beasley on the outside I mean both guys are pretty similar which you know I mean that's a little bit of a surprise that they went you know with someone as similar to Landry as as Beasley is but I mean these are two of the freakiest athletes in the NFL as far as edge rushers go there's going to be some you know, you get against a team with some slower tackles and they're going to be in a lot of trouble uh, trying to keep up with, with Beasley and Landry. So it's an interesting signing. I think it's a high upside signing um, with minimal risk. So um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy to see it and excited to see how it turns out. Uh, let's get into um, a little bit here. I got, I posted up on Twitter because this will carry us into our next segment uh, that we were recording and stuff. And um, we were talking, I asked for some questions. So I got some questions here. And apparently I did not tag you because uh, mm. I left off the C in Mike Miracles. So Buck asked, who the fuck is Mike Morales? Uh, but that doesn't really matter. Um <laughs> So, next, this is from C Flatland 96 Cole. Next Titans free agent move will be blank. Uh, are you going lightning round or, or? Well, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this topic here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say clowny. You, you, you think clowny? I saw I that you it. had just posted something up on your Twitter two yes. minutes ago. Tell me what that was. Yeah, so I came across uh, a article that just went up from, uh, let's see, what was the publication here? Make sure I get it right. Uh, the Seattle News Tribune uh, from a guy named Greg Bell. Um, and his he had a quote in there. It says, uh, it's basically talking about where the Seahawks stand with Davian Clowney. And his, his quote was, the three-time Pro Bowl edge rusher has been weighing offers from multiple teams believed to include the New York Jets and Tennessee Titans in addition to the Seattle Seahawks. So that is potentially where this Casey money is earmarked. I think it's it's kind of the obvious move. Um, you know, the dots connecting Vrabel to Clowney are, you know, there for everybody to see. You know, the, I think – the Titans were pretty well rumored to be a potential clowny destination because of Rabel's presence all along. Um, and now we're hearing that his market wasn't quite what it, what he wanted it to be, which was, you know, north of 20 million. So it's possible that the Titans are going to end up getting him for, you know, a pretty reasonable rate um, depending on, you know, kind of where these numbers come in from these three teams, if that's truly the, uh, the three bidders at this point. 
Well, it's interesting because the Seahawks had $20 million in cap space right now, not including draft picks and also not including four free agents that they have signed, which is Bruce Irving, Luke Wilson, Cedric, uh, let me pronounce this last name, Cedric Agbue, and Brandon Shell. So an outside linebacker, left tackle, tackle, tight end. So there's four right there. Plus, their, uh, the way that their cap is set up, top 51 is how it's done. So let me t- explain what top 51 is. That is the working cap that everybody uses. Spot track has your projected draft picks, projected salary estimate. So when you add a player, you have to drop a player if you're already at 51 off the cap. You don't drop them off the roster. You just drop them off the cap. And they have one, two, three, four, potentially five draft picks that will have to come off on top of that $20 million that I just talked about. So we're talking about a total of nine players hitting that cap here shortly or, well, when the draft happens soon. How are they... How are the Seahawks still even in this? Is he going to take the short-term deal? Is that because there were rumors that he was going to take the short-term deal? Is that who that is from? Is it going to be another short-term deal for Seattle so he can hit the market again? I mean, it's you're getting older. It your market's not going to get better, right? You wouldn't think so. I mean, I guess the argument would be, I know he played through a core muscle injury that was apparently pretty bad, uh, required surgery to fix um, after the season. Um, And that may well be what's holding up his free agency here. Teams wanting to get a doctor in to look at him. And we all know about the the struggles that the uh, um, coronavirus has brought on as far as getting physicals done and stuff like that. Um, But they may want to hold their offer at least or at least make it contingent on you know getting a doctor to check out that uh core injury and see what's going on but i guess you could make the argument that hey i played hurt last year um you know didn't didn't really have all of my uh physical ability um due to the core injury and you know next year if i come out and put up 10 sacks then my market's going to go through the roof um you know, I, I guess you could make that argument. I, I tend to think, you know, you, you got to go where you want to be right now. And and he's said all along that he wants to contend for a championship, um, and that's really important to him. He doesn't he doesn't want to go play for a loser. Um, so that kind of makes me feel like the Jets are not probably a real option. Um, but you know, I think it's Titans or Seahawks most likely. Um, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling that it's going to end up being clowny here. And it makes a ton of sense to me from a Titan standpoint. Well, and it also makes sense from what you just talked about, the, Kore- the I was going to call it the coronavirus, the coronavirus, um, you know, preventing physicals and stuff like that. If there's any team that knows some kind of physicians out in Houston, because that's where Jadavian Clowney is currently at training, it is the team that has... The Strunk slash Adams family, which is known to live in Houston for years and decades. Yes. Vrabel and Sean o- or Pat O'Hara, who both are, used to coach for the Texans. And Shane and, Bowen. And Shane Bowen and Anthony coach. Midget. Shane Bowen, Anthony Midget. Who else am I yeah. forgetting? Uh, I think that uh, may be it. I think that might be it. I think that might be it. They can figure out a doctor in Houston. So, like, to me, it's not for the – I know a lot of people say, well, it's the, you know – the physical that's probably holding all the negotiations up. 
that may be true for other teams. It's just speculation again. It just seems like all those people should know at least a few physicians that they can trust out in Houston, right? I mean, you would you would yeah. think that there would be someone you know out there that they can do. And I know that Tom Brady is doing his physical today in New York for Tampa Bay's uh, contract negotiations. So, right. you know, I, it's all about the money. I don't know where we're going to land. I have to think it is right now Clowney trying to get more money, and it's just not happening. And eventually he's going to have to cave if it's Clowney. I'm so, going to so go somewhere else. Okay. I'm going right. to side with TD. And I'm gonna go with Golden. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that he provides versatility, which is something that they want. And then because he can go outside, inside, he can do a bunch. And then also, you know, I think he's gonna be a little bit less expensive. His market's yeah. obviously not hot, and less expensive means we can get other players. So I'm kind of throwing it out there. I think it's gonna be Golden. I think it's gonna be Ryan. And I think it could be, you know, maybe a little Don Terry Poe and Dominic and Sue. I mean, you could get a couple of different, you know, pieces if you go golden. Yeah. Maybe a couple a of nice Wolf. pieces. A Derek Wolf. You know, I know that he doesn't, sacks aren't everything, though, Mike, so that doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, it, it, sacks are only everything when you talk to Davian Clowney, you know. Yeah, so, it, but sex, when you talk, I get really confused yeah. about when sacks matter and when they don't. Yeah, the sacks don't matter with Derek Wolf, but they matter with J. Davian Clowney. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very what confusing. it is. It's very confusing. And, but I'm kind of going golden with a bunch of different other players. I think golden yeah. is still trying to figure yeah. out his market. And, you know, I, I mean, if I was building a team and expecting what J Rob would do, I would probably expect uh, multiple signings, not just one. So you're going with the free agency poo poo platter. Yeah, I think it's definitely a Golden Corral free agency. Okay, all right. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I know people want the big name, and don't get me wrong, I, I do think Clowney would be a major piece here um, and, and a, someone that would be very exciting to watch on this defense. But I think Marcus Golden, Logan Ryan, and you know Dirk Wolf, if you could put together those three, that's a really good haul. That makes this defense better. Um, you know, I, I think you could make a very strong argument that that defense is more talented than the one that the Titans put on the field last year, even without Casey. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's a little bit harder to fill the spots that we have to fill because we do have spots to fill if we truly want to have like a best player available kind of scenario. Um, I think that to do that it's going to be easier to do that if you avoid Clowney. Now, that's not to say that if you sign Clowney, you can't sign anybody else. Let me let me be very clear. I just think yeah. it's easier. It just seems more like a J-Rob move to get, you know, two or three very good or above average pieces versus maybe one very good piece and then, you know, three just, meh, just guys. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean... That, that's the thing, too, and, and we should say that, you know, Clowney sounds like it's not going to be a $20 million year or $20 million a year deal uh, like he was wanting. So, you know, what a, you know if it is even, and this would probably be around the worst case scenario, like a one-year $16 million deal, you know, you're still going to have $9 million in cap space left to work with, and that's, that's even taking out money and setting it aside for the rookie pool and, and stuff like that. 
um, you know, that's still enough money to add your depth pieces and your, you know, one or two or $3 million a year guys where you're going to be bumping off, you know, a top 51 salary and kind of offsetting some of that cost. So you could add another, you know, three or four of those guys at least, um, in addition to Clowney to kind of fill out some of the holes and, and parts of the roster that you need to, to pad heading into the draft. Okay, so let's talk about uh, – we got some questions. So this is okay. – I'm assuming Bobby Jaffe, Jaffe Taffy. Uh, I'm assuming that's – it's not Hafe, maybe. I don't know. Hafe. Um, but it's Jaffe Taffy, at Jaffe Taffy. Uh, with Casey now gone, do you think the focus shifts to IDL at 29? Mike, what are your thoughts? Is it too early, or do you think that – you know, give it percentage of what you think – it will be. So I think um, it's certainly in the conversation at 29 now, whereas I don't think it probably was before the the trade. Um, I think you're looking at right tackle, you're looking at interior defensive line, and you're looking at corner at this point at 29. At least that's what I would be doing. Um, You know, if you did sign a Derek Wolf, I think maybe you could wait a little bit on on your interior defensive lineman. But really, I think you're going best player available out of a few positions that make the most sense. Like, I'm, I'm not saying you necessarily go best player available if the best player is a, you know, running back or, you know, a wide receiver or someplace where uh, uh, the roster is in pretty good shape currently. I think you're going best player available out of, you know, a handful of positions that you have a need at. So hypothetically, I agree. Hypothetically, we sign Ryan back. What's the move at twenty nine? If we sign Ryan back, uh, this is from Buck Ali, uh, Buck Ali five. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? We sign him back to maybe a two year, ten million dollar a year deal. Um, what's the move? What's the move at twenty nine then? Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's somewhere in the trenches on either side of the ball at that point. You're either looking at a interior defensive lineman, a, you know, maybe a pass rusher. Um, yeah, you you still might consider a corner, honestly, because I mean, frankly, even if you bring Ryan back, he's 29 years old. Malcolm Butler is about to be 30. Um, you're getting older at the corner spots, and that's a spot that typically doesn't age well. So you're going to need to prepare uh, for you probably need to prepare for Malcolm Butler to not be here in 2021. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he, he does come back and have a a good year this year, which I think he's still a good player. Um, But chances are, he's going to start declining here pretty quickly, um, you know, in the next few years. So you, you need to get, that's one position where you just cannot end up, you know, week is corner uh this is a passing league now and when you're trying to get past patrick mahomes and the chiefs uh in the afc you cannot have a weak set of cornerbacks well you probably just saw this if you're looking at your phone but todd Gurley has been released oh wow he was due at today at 3 p.m central a on thursday a 10 million dollar roster bonus Oh my goodness! So they have just released him. So Todd, so we got Todd Gurley, and we have Melvin Gordon on the market. Obviously, one of them two you would think would be going down to Tampa Bay, depending on what they feel about Ronald Johnson, his performance. This kind of hurts going back to the very beginning. Hurts the first off the pay running backs argument, but also 
it hurts the Derrick Henry contract arguments too. This is not good for DH. Yeah, not a good development for him. Um, wow, that is uh, that's pretty crazy news. That's uh, so. Is he going to go right to the Bucks? Then you you would think so, right? Wouldn't you think that Todd Gurley is the perfect running back that maybe Tom Brady's ever had? He's a good pass catcher, good pass yeah. blocker, and he can still run. Because the offensive line for the Rams was shitty. Warren Sharp had put something out last night about how he lives and dies by the offensive line. And yeah. which is fine. He that's okay to do. And you can be he's a very productive running back when he's given the chance. I had him on fantasy last year. I watched a lot of Rams games. They were yeah. supremely frustrating with how they handled that backfield. And a lot of people today I heard or read said that they were doing this with the, they were resting him with the anticipation to try to trade him and they were going easy on him to try to build up his value that probably backfired on them but you know you know i see i've seen quite a few titans fans today already saying bring him in and have Gurley and henry back there which i don't know how you would have enough touches for either of them to be super successful but listen if it was cheap i mean you know i'm not going to complain but yeah. let's be honest he's probably going somewhere else He's gonna. He's gonna. He's not gonna come to a place that has Derrick Henry because he's not gonna want to give up, you know, two hundred and fifty carries uh, to a running back ahead of him. Um, do you think he just ends up in Tampa? I can't. What running back? Maybe he could end up in San Diego or L.A. I guess the Chargers. Yeah, that because could, they that just have sense. Eckler he could just stay stay yeah. in town. Yeah, and be the. The Gordon to Eckler's Eckler. You know, technically, you know, John Connor, I think, is cheap, right? I don't think he he could end up at the Steelers. Um, yeah, theoretically. You know, there's a couple different interesting options for him, but it'll be interesting to see what he gets on the market and if he signs a quicker deal than Melvin Gordon. Because, once yeah. again, it's really going to hurt and lay out. This is, you know, the longer DH doesn't sign the tender, this could backfire on him. This is the whole... You know, you know, try to get a deal done as quick as possible usually works out best for the running backs instead of waiting around, you know, him and Han as 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 it were. Yeah, yeah. It, this is uh this definitely hurts the running back market. I bet J Rob goes yes when he saw this. Like he just, you know, fist pumped. He goes, Yeah, you're a baby. Big big time J Rob yeah. uh, fist pump moment. Yeah. Okay. Uh Last little question that I we have for now. No, we have two questions. Uh, how will Casey being gone impact the defensive line in terms of pass rushing? Um, it, it kind of depends on who and if they bring in another player. I can't imagine they enter the 2020 season with just the defensive linemen that they have on the roster right now, right? So, I mean, they're going to sign somebody, whether it's Clowney, who I know is you know, people will want to put Clowney in a bin and say he's an edge, edge rusher, but he is not really an edge rusher. He is, you know, kind of a defensive piece uh, that can be moved around. And, and nobody, one point on Clowney that, that I think needs to be made is nobody knows how to use Clowney better than Mike Vrabel. He had his best season in the one year uh, where Vrabel was defensive coordinator, and that was because Vrabel – lined him up all over the place. He put him standing up over the center in pass rush situations. He'd rush him off the edge. He'd line him up at, you know, as a five tech, uh, 
defensive end, you know, kind of kind of like the role that Jeffrey Simmons played last year. He put him all over the field. He put him off the ball sometimes. I mean, it was you never knew where he was going to pop up, and you know that is a valuable role. And I think it it could complement Beasley in a sense where you could play Clowney on the edge, where he's a very very good edge setter. Uh, in the run game on early downs and then bump Clowney inside and let Beasley rush off the edge with Landry and have Clowney and Simmons on the on the inside rushing. So I think if you bring in Clowney, that, that opens up some things. I think you could do similar things with Marcus Golden. Um, so it depends on who they bring in because, you know, Simmons I would expect to get a bigger pass rush role this year than he did last year. Uh, most mostly he was used as a run defender. Um so that's that's part of the reason he didn't compile huge sack numbers. He was mostly off the field on third downs in favor of Casey who, you know, has a good track record of being a, a good pass rusher. And Simmons will also get to play in that three tech spot um, that Casey played in, which will free him up to attack and be a little bit more vertically aggressive uh, coming out of his stance and getting upfield. So I think you're going to see Simmons step forward and, and take a big part of that. Um, and, and you need your edge guys to be better. All right. Last question so far. We'll see how long it takes you to answer this one because this is a weird one. Right. Have you right. heard about the pack of feral herpes-ridden rhesus monkeys that have been well, roaming wow. the Jacksonville area the past few months. What are the chances the Jaguars bring one on their trip up here as biological warfare? <laughs> I mean, this is the most Jacksonville thing ever. Um, I'm sure it's probably like Leonard Fournette's pets or something like that. Um I'd say the odds are pretty high. Odds are pretty high that they, I mean, whatever they've been trying to do to stop Derrick Henry has not worked so far. So, you know, biological warfare seems like a logical next step. Well, you didn't, it didn't actually take you that long to answer. I mean, you know, I wouldn't really put it past them, but I think they would do it unknowingly because Florida is such a horrible state and Jacksonville Obviously, the Jaguars have horrible facilities, so there's probably a rhesus monkey on the team plane already, like a bunch of them, and it's probably going to affect everything here in Nashville. So, you know, I wouldn't really put it past them, but I don't think they would do it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I could see them making an accident like that, Um, you know, kind of like they accidentally traded for uh, Nick Foles and then traded him away the next year without a single win. Nick Foles' entire Jacksonville career, zero wins. The uh, John Chapman just tweeted, Don't worry, Rams fans. It's not like he still has $28.9 million in dead cap this year or $8.4 million in dead cap in 2021 or even $4.2 million dead cap in 2022. <laughs> Talking about Todd Gurley. And let's be clear. They re-upped Todd Gurley's contract almost just as early as the Cowboys and Zeke. Like, you don't do it early. For, for, and those two teams have both done it early, which I find very odd. The, so, the Cardinals did the same thing with David Johnson. Yeah, too. David Johnson was early. We're we're I think on the right pace. And but man, this really because right now the top five ha- highest paid running backs this off season were going to be Zeke, Todd, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Devontae Freeman. Zeke wow, is, three of them have been yeah three cut three are cut or traded. And then apparently Le'Veon Bell's on the trading block, and of course Zeke Elliott, Zeke Elliott. So, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, not good news for Derrick Henry uh, and the and his contingent that thinks that he should hold out. <laughs> no, yeah, Derrick Derrick needs to probably sign as long as the Titans aren't offering him like you know seven million a year or something crazy like that. I mean, if if they're offering ten million a year for three years or, or whatever that may be, he should probably just go ahead and take that, right? Yeah, I mean they they have to. I mean. Why I, I get it, you're but you also gotta be it's a business and you gotta be realistic. It's like we told Anthony Ferkser and when we interviewed him when I was talking to him about the CBA, just kinda gotta be realistic and he's almost at a position of he I mean, it's so far early in the draft, if he doesn't sign by the draft, I mean they could ostensibly sign someone like Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, or DeAndre Swift and just be put his feet to the fire even more. You know, yeah. you, you, you the very little Derrick Henry has very little leverage, in my opinion, and I think that goes for most running backs as we continue to see. I think Zeke was not the norm; he was the exception to the rule, and that's because Jerry Jones runs that that place over there. So, yeah. I think it's time to you know get pretty close to Derrick Henry. Uh, having his feet to the fire pretty he's got a warm butt yeah hot butt hot butt down there um let's talk about real quick tom brady 30 million dollars a year is pretty much on the table that pushes ryan Tannehill down to 10th paid overall of all quarterbacks um looking good every day isn't it absolutely yeah it's uh it gets better and better and you know by the start of next season, it will almost guaranteed be uh, pushed out to 12th, maybe even lower. Um, so, you know, everybody very upset that they overpaid him. I think we'll settle down here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, you see people making worse moves anyway. Uh, I, th- I just think Tannehill's got a new f- new life to him. And this could happen with Marcus. If he's really signing with the Raiders, that's a little iffy to me. I feel like something hasn't been said, you know, as far as contract goes yet. No kind of even fake funny announcement. I'm kind of wondering if he maybe didn't sign with the Raiders at the news that Brady left and waiting to see the quarterback dominoes fall. But, you know... Marcus goes somewhere, it could light a fire underneath him, it could change everything, and it's going to for Tannehill, and I think that, you know, a three-year deal is not that bad. I mean, I just, it looks better, it looks better every day to me. Like, I'm so far, first off, I'm so far removed from, even though we're only four days away from when he actually signed, uh, it feels like it's been three weeks in the NFL world and real world, as as it were, that... It's, you know, it feels like forever, and it feels like it's a, even a non-factor in these discussions because it's such a small cap hit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good deal, and it'll it'll get better with time. Have, I, you, have you seen this report about uh, <laughs> the Texans uh, salary cap guy? No. <laughs> so apparently there's a report that came out last night that said, been hearing that Kevin Krakovich Krak- uh, very hard to pronounce last name. The Texans cap guy, uh, after the firing of Chris Olson, can't stand Bill O'Brien and wants out. 
team is begging him to stay because they need a cap guy for free agency season. Oh, listen, they can come. Uh, they'll, they can come hire me. I'll do the cap situation uh, for them. I mean, oh my that gosh. is insane. And and what a mess. Let's talk. I want to talk about the Texans when we have Lebowski with us because I know he, yes. he's going to rip. So we'll yes. hold off on that. But Philip Rivers on the Colts. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Because I you see people already penciling them in as AFC South favorites. Yeah, according to PFF, they are the uh, AFC South favorites because uh, a guy that went what six and ten with uh, the Chargers last year yeah. is going to put them over the top. Um, I mean, the Chargers and the Colts aren't that different talent wise to me. Um, you know, DeForest Buckner is a good player that the Colts added. I don't know that he's a complete just game changer as far as, you know, that's going to totally redefine their entire defense. Um, but he's a good player. And Rivers is probably better than Brissett, but not by a ton. And he could, you know, like we talked about with Brady and part of our hesitancy for paying Brady was you don't know. I mean, it, this thing happens so fast when these guys get to these, you know, late thirties and in Brady's case, you know, mid forties, um, age ranges, it happens so fast where it just goes to completely to shit out of nowhere. Um, so, I mean, that could totally have already happened. Uh, he had his worst year in, I think maybe his entire career last year. Um, and it's not like they didn't have weapons. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were healthy pretty much all year. Yeah, they lost uh, Hunter Henry, but they had Austin Eckler. They had Melvin Gordon. Uh, they had a decent offensive line. Um, and he couldn't really get it done for them. So I don't know why we suddenly expect him to go to the Colts who have T.Y. Hilton and, you know, a good offensive line. And that's about it. Uh, to suddenly be AFC South favorites over you know, one team that went to the AFC championship game and then the other team that won the division, you know, for the last five years. I mean, what, what logic does that make? I, it, I don't, it makes zero I don't logic. And he's thrown most uh, game ending interceptions being in his career uh, for, for the end of the entire NFL, I believe. Um, so, you know, Good luck, I guess, with Kevin Byard back there and stuff. I mean, I know that we've had our problems as a franchise historically with L.A. in general and San Diego. But, yeah. you know, it's the Colts. I mean, I'm not that scared of the Colts without Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. I mean, let's let's be real here. Phillip Rivers isn't either of those things. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get the love affair with, with – uh rivers and the Colts and everything. And, you know, it's, it's also a guy changing teams for the first time in his entire career. Like, yeah. I mean, I, we don't know how that's gonna, how's that, how's that going to work? I, there's a lot of unknowns there, but I, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not terrified of the Colts with rivers. I, I'm just not. Uh, Charles Robinson just tweeted, not for nothing, but the Texans could have had DeAndre Hopkins next season and Todd Gurley for nothing more than a price of a free agent signing. <laughs> oh, but uh, hey, B.O.B. just doing his thing. Um, any last words? Or what's the craziest scenario or question you've been asked in your mentions regarding where we're going to spend the cap money or who do you think the Titans are going to sign or trade for or whatever? 
Um, there hasn't been anything that's been that outrageous, I guess. I know people still want to trade for Yannick Ngakwe, and I don't really get that. Now, that pronounce his idea. first name. Yannick. Okay, you do pronounce it right. Okay, okay. okay. I, that was yeah. per, put out there, and I call him Yannick, and, but it's Yannick. So I Yann, just Yannick Ngakwe. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense because I mean, one, you're gonna have to trade a pretty good pick probably to get him, and then you're gonna have to pay him a ton of money. Um, if you're gonna trade for anybody that got franchise tagged, I think it's uh, Chris Jones or Bust. Um, and the Chiefs might do might consider that. Just I mean, they're capped out big time, um, and. Unless they're going to release Sammy Watkins, which they said they don't want to do, or make some other pretty significant moves, I don't know how they clear enough room to pay him. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe you could pry him away for a first round pick and and maybe a little sweetener or something like that. Um, and putting you want to talk about a fun uh, pass rush run. Chris Jones next to Jeffrey Simmons with uh, Beasley and Landry coming off the edges would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I, Brandon Cooks was kind of an off-the-wall one that I saw someone throw out there. Um, I don't think the Titans need a receiver oh very badly. Oh, my God. Have you his seen his cap, cap hit? Numbers, in the, holy crap. His, yeah, his cap numbers are terrible, are and we, he gets a concussion like every third game. Why are, um, are people wanting to trade for a wide receiver. I don't, I think Titans fans are so stuck in the mode of needing wide receiver help that they can't break free from it, even though their wide receivers are good now. Because I've and, seen and, that a, quite constantly and people want us to uh, sign high prized free agent, you know, wide receivers too. I, I, I just don't get it. People, people seem to want to trade Corey Davis for some reason, which, you know, if, I could see trading Corey Davis potentially in like a situation where they were getting back Stefan Diggs or something like that. Um, if that had been an option, I would have been interested in that. But Corey Davis is a good receiver. He's he's not trash. I know he's not as good as, you know, we've had this discussion a million times, but we know he's not as good as a top five pick should be. But that tends to get convoluted into he's not a good player. And he is a good player. Um, he's fine as a wide receiver too with AJ Brown, uh, and Humphreys is a good slot receiver. The Titans are actually good in good shape at wide receiver. That's why, you know, I everyone mean, was talking about Tom Brady is a potential, right. you know, to come here. <laughs> it's like the same the, people just cannot get a grip on where they're going to land on what this team is. It's circular arguments. Yeah. All and, the way. And let me yeah. say this. The only receiver that we're replacing technically is going to be Tajay Sharp. And you don't go get a big prized free agent to and spend way more money to get the production to get to get that Tajay Sharp. Replaced. Hang on, I, I was told this morning in my mentions that Tajay Sharp and AJ Brown are the only two wide receivers that the Titans have ever developed that oh, turned into no. good players. So Tajay Sharp and AJ Brown basically like the same thing um, is uh, what somebody told me this morning. And I mean, look. Everybody knows that I've never been a huge fan of Tajay uh, as far as his play. He gets massively overrated by this fan base. I've never seen any fan base cling to a receiver who his career high was 522 yards, and it happened four years ago. Uh, 
more than Tajay Sharp and Titans fans. I mean, the guy is fine. He does catch the ball when it's thrown his way. Um, but he, he, the reason he doesn't get targeted more often and the reason he doesn't play more is because he doesn't get open. Uh, there's only so much value that can be brought from just catching the ball. Um, you have to be able to do other stuff too. And he does none of the other stuff. Um, so I, he's fine as like a fourth wide receiver, but you don't really want him to be anything more than that. And I don't know, I don't understand why people are so attached to him and the idea that he's like this huge loss. If the Titans lose him, he had 300 something yards last year. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, he's basically, if Trey McBride made the roster, that's Tajay Sharp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. I mean, he's look, you know, me, Tajay Sharp, big yeah, fan, like Tajay. Taj I'm a, I'm a big Tajay fan. Uh, I think that as a fourth or a fifth wide receiver option, he's perfect. He's perfect to fill in, blah, blah, blah. But that's what he is. Let's be honest here. That's where it ends. He's nothing higher than that. He is a fourth or fifth option on this particular team at this moment, and that's it. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance he finds more opportunity to play elsewhere because, frankly, he's not going to see a whole lot of the field unless there's injuries here next year. So, I mean – he could come back, you know, I suppose I would want him back actually on a pretty cheap deal, like maybe a couple million or something like that uh, tops, but I'm not paying anything more than that for, for him because I think he could turn around and draft a guy in the, you know, fourth or fifth round, you know, wherever they want to do on, on day three and get a guy that's going to be about what he is and maybe give you some more upside in a class that's historically good at wide receiver. Um, yeah, I, I just don't understand the the massive attachment to that guy. Yeah. I got a good question for you before we go. I know I've said okay. that numerous times. This is a, for real the last question. Who can do what Derrick Henry can do in this draft, especially for, especially for this team in this draft? Who do you think are some people that could replace the production? One way or another, whether that's you know taking a little bit less rush yards to get more passing uh, yards or whatever, his production, who do you think can do that in this offense, in this draft? Mm, that's a tough question. Um, I would say, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a similar, I guess, style runner. He's, he's probably got more top end speed than Henry and he's a little bit smaller, but he's a, he's a similar style runner to me in the fact that he's a mostly a one cut get up field and go uh, kind of guy. And he was very prolific at Wisconsin. I think Taylor um, could make sense. I, I think all the top guys are pretty good, like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm leaving one out, I think. But um, uh, What do you think about Cam Akers? I do, I do like and Cam Akers, too. Uh, yeah, J.K. Dobbins is one I was trying to think of. Both of those guys, I think, are really good players, too. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure you're necessarily going to get a one-for-one one replacement for Henry, at least not, you know, right off the bat. One of those, you know, a few of those guys may turn out to be better than Henry over the course of their careers. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tough to replace him one-to-one. One. I think, you know, probably the player that's most similar to him physically uh, in the draft is A.J. Dillon um, from Boston College, who's like, he's shorter. He's, I think, only six foot, but he is in that 250-pound range. He's like a bowling ball. Uh, but then he turned around and ran in the, what was it? Was he four 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 five yeah, somewhere like around there? 
Um, so he's got crazy speed, crazy athleticism. He's strong as hell. Um, he's kind of a shorter version of Derrick Henry. Um, so I, yeah, if you wanted like identity insurance, uh, is I can't remember whose uh, term that is. Uh, but I think they talk about it on uh, midday 180 sometimes. Um, uh, if you want identity insurance for Derrick Henry, I think AJ Dillon is, is that guy. Well, that is it. Like I promised, that is done. We're done with questions. Uh, done? Done. Done. Right. So right. for uh, Football and Other F-Words, I'm Zach. You can follow us on at F-Words Pod. And he is Mike Miracles. You can follow him on at Mike Miracles. Just a reminder. Or Mike Morales. No, Mike Morales. And then just remember that we currently, worst case scenarios, around a $25 million cap, best case, or sorry, that's best case, worst case scenarios, $23 million cap, including, those do include the draft picks, top 51. For football and other F-words, you've just been F'd.